This is episode 49 of the Coaching Life Podcast. I'm Chris Stewart, one of your hosts. Connecting remotely once again with my good buddy, Pat Martin. Pat, how you doing today? I'm doing great today, Coach. Excellent. We have a very special guest on the podcast today. And I just want to say that when I first discovered this man's work, and started reading his blog or his uh, website, uh, weekly emails. And then I had to pick up a copy of his book when it came out here recently. I honestly had the thought, Pat, that if there were a companion book out there that we could point to and say, hey, go read that and you'll know what the Coaching Life podcast is all about. It's actually Coach Deegan's book, Let It Rip, Life Lessons Learned Through Sports. So I guess you can say that after today's podcast, we will no longer be needed. So we can just we can just basically say, hey, go buy this book and we'll just post that on our website and say that's that's it. Uh, but now Coach Mike Deegan is our guest today. He has served as the head baseball coach at Denison University in Granville, Ohio since 2013. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but prior to Denison, he was right here in our backyard on staff at Marietta College in uh, southeastern Ohio. He also played at Marietta College under coaching legend Don Shally. Uh, by the way, coach, I took my son to coach Shally's last game when Brock was four years old, uh, his last home game at Pioneer Park, which is, of course, now oh. Don Shally Stadium. Oh, how cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was just a couple years after you graduated, correct? Yes, like correct. 2003 yep. or so. I think one of the things Brock remembered about that, and he, he's actually never forgotten this, the manner in which the pioneers took the field, just the all out hustle, not touching any of the grass, you know, running down the baselines. Yeah. He just, he always remembered that. And so it left a, left a lasting impression to him. So really cool. Yeah. Well, back to coach Deegan, <laughs> back to the introduction, uh, at Denison last spring, uh, the Denison big red had a record breaking season, posting a record of 39 and nine earning a trip to the NCAA regional tournament for actually the second year in a row after having made it to the regional in 2018 for the first time in school history. And Coach Deegan was named North Coast Athletic Conference Coach of the Year in 2018. But I want to say something that I really appreciate about Mike and something I believe probably takes his coaching and his recruiting to another level is that he lets us all have a glimpse into his life personally, not just as a coach, but as a husband and as a father. Uh, he has a website. It's coachmikedegan.com. That's D-E-E-G-A-N, where you can learn more about him, sign up for his weekly emails, which are very inspiring and, of course, useful on a daily basis if you keep those in your heart and mind throughout the week. And, of course, you can purchase a copy of his book, Let It Rip, Life Lessons Learned Through Sports, which we will get into today on this podcast episode. So it is our absolute pleasure to welcome Coach Michael Deegan to the Coaching Life Podcast. Coach Stewart, that was a uh, tremendous introduction. Thank you. That, that, that means a lot. And one, one other little nugget, I, I actually managed uh, the Southern Ohio Copperheads for a summer. Oh, you were down so, here in Athens. Uh, yeah, yeah, 2007, summer of 2007. So we didn't have kids at the time. So uh, they were generous enough to give us an apartment. So we, we would stay kind of in between Marietta and, and, and in Athens. Uh, so we had a blast. Uh, we had a blast that year. And and I got, got to, to be pretty intimate with uh, the Athens community for yeah. for summer. Yeah. So really uh, coach uh, Fred deal. Gibson, uh, Gibby, who actually I coached with for uh, seven years at Athens High School, and then he retired and I took over as the head coach there. Gibby was for a few years, uh, like one of the assistant coaches with the Copperheads. I think it may have been before 2007, though. I don't know. Does that name ring a bell? To you? He, he, the name rings a bell, but not, but, yeah. but he didn't work with us that yeah. year. Okay. Well, I, uh, I'm going to make a somewhat obvious statement and say that, uh, no coach or player in the history of American sports has ever experienced the kind of disruption that the COVID-19 pandemic has just rained down on us here in 2020, just a complete shutdown. And we just seem to be talking about it again and again on every week, uh, every week's episodes, but uh, we're all just processing it, the effects of it daily. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure that, that you, I know that you're talking about it as well, is right now leadership in the world is absolutely being tested like it's never been tested before. Yeah. Coach, in your, in your opinion, what do people need the most right now from their leaders? And I'm talking 
political leaders, business leaders, you know, team leaders, you know, sports teams leaders, school leaders. I've got coach, uh, teach, I've got my uh, son's fiance and my wife are both school teachers and they're in the house doing mm-hmm. lessons all morning long as well online. Uh, but there, I'm just seeing a lot of leadership is either stepping up right now or it's getting really, uh, really exposed. What, what's your sure. opinion um, in terms of what our leaders need now more than ever? You, you nailed it. I mean, right now is, is, is the time. This is the time where leaders need to be, you know, really strong and really good. And um, so when I, when I think of that question, I think probably there's a few different buckets. One, I, I go right to empathy. Mm-hmm. I think a, a, a leader right now is going to have to be able to, to really put themselves in the shoes of, of those that they are in charge of, for lack of better words. But I think, uh, you know, I just look at my situation right now. I mean, I'm trying to maintain full-time work. My wife has a job. We're both now at home. We have three kids that are of school age and a three-year-old. So just kind of carving out, it's just, it's just really tough. And that's just a small example, but almost everyone that you're leading right now has a story that's a little unconventional. And to be able to walk in their shoes and understand that this is not normal for them, I think is really mm-hmm. important. I also think, I think vulnerability, I'm always a, as I've gotten older in my coaching career and and maybe a little more seasoned, I I think vulnerability is is really powerful. And, you know, the vulnerability coupled with optimism, uh, meaning that I think it's okay to say, like, I I don't know exactly where this thing is going. I think one thing that we've learned with this COVID-19 is, it's just day to day and, and, you know, it's, it's just moving so fast. So to be able to say, Hey, look, I, I don't know exactly how I can lead you right now. I don't know what's best, but please know that I'm doing everything I can. And the optimism piece of at some point we're going to come through this yeah. and, and there will be a reason for this. And, and, but between me and you, I don't know what that is right now. I think those are okay to say right now as, as in being a leader. And I think the last thing, um, and we could go on and on with this, but I think the, the curiosity piece. Of, mm. Okay, so right, right now you can be really curious and say, okay, what what are the advantages? Uh, what 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 can we do right now? How can we be learning? How can we be growing? And so when this does pass, how can we be in a better position Um than, than we were prior. And it's just such an, un, uh, a time of uncertainty. I think those three things kind of are really important because if you actually give all the answers right now, I, I, I mm. just, I, I think you're lying because no one knows there's so much mystery and it's okay. And, and my last thing is I've, I really found with our players, like some, I used to have, you know, have a, be having a bad day and you come to practice, and you carry your mood with you. And I learned to just say, Guys, I, you know, let me tell you, I've had a really bad day at home. Uh, I got kicked on a little bit at, at, at the job. I'm in a bad place right now. I, I'm looking forward to a great practice. Can you guys pick me up? And they'll go, we got, we got you, coach. And it's yeah. really weird. Instead of sitting off to the side and kicking a bucket and, and hey, coach is in a bad mood, sometimes just, a, just naming it uh, helps quite a bit. So uh, those are my three things mm. that I think leaders need to do right now. Absolutely. And that's good stuff, coach. When you're talking about that, you know, the – the word vulnerability really stood out to me, but coach mentioned your, your, uh, your website there. And I, I, there's a, there's an article that you wrote that I think fits really well with that answer that you gave. The article was about winning the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you talk about uncertainty in the future and not really knowing, you know, <laughs> where this is going to go and, and, and what's going to happen, you control, you worry about what you can control, sure. right? You said that in the article and it's something we've talked about on the podcast so much. And, and uh, the qualities that you're talking about there is, is it's a day by day thing. You know, we are vulnerable, we are uncertain, um, but we're real. And, 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 and to think of, you know, we, we got to come out, come at it from a personal perspective mm-hmm. and, 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 and great, great players, great organizations, great teams know that every day matters. And you can use today to get better, right? Sure, so that's, that's right. That's, that's great stuff. When you said win the day, win the day I, it sparked my memory. It's actually chapter five in Let It Rip. I had to I had to look that up. Back, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and winning the day, yeah, I just, I just want to say, just, just to jump off that really quick, I, I think right now winning the day could also be, um, it doesn't, I think there's kind of a push right now on Twitter and everywhere, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's maybe, maybe macho is the right word. Like mm-hmm. you have to be doing, 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 but yeah. maybe winning the day for you right now is, 
is not. Maybe it's just yeah. winning the day looks like connecting with your family at a little higher level. It, it means, um, you know, just being, you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't have to always be like busyness yeah. in order to win your day. It's just, I think it's more of, of being intentional about uh, when you lay your head down at night that, I'm getting a little closer to the person that I want to be, yeah, you know? So absolutely. right right now we're being challenged a little bit. And like I said, I think there's this push to like, you got to be doing something. Well, right now we, it's tough. We have kids bouncing all over this house. Like I, I, it's tough for me to find some of that quiet <laughs> space to learn and do some of the things that I love to do, but I can still win my day. It's more just being intentional about how I approach um, life in this time. So I just want to put that out there. So I don't want people to think that you have to be always achieving and doing mm-hmm. sometimes one of the things is just, you know, connecting and being at peace. Yeah. That's that speaking awesome. our language that coach. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, definitely. Coach your team, the Dennis and big red. Well, like every other uh, team in America around the, the second or third week of March this year, had your season come to to an end? Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, can you take us back to that moment? I know Coach and I kind of we, we've kind of recorded our experience with, as as things started to shut down around us and, and how we were responding to those. We we we've had some some pretty lighthearted and funny moments about you know mm-hmm. our responses to to what right. was going on. But if you don't mind, could you take us back to to, the, to that moment and the series of events and how? how it all played out for you and, and the Denison baseball team? It was just fast. You know, we, we had played at Muskingum on Wednesday. And so we came back and uh, we were prepared to, to go to Florida, flying out to go to Florida on Friday. And our director of athletics, Nan Carney DeBoard, reached out to me on Thursday morning and, and we got together and she said, hey, it doesn't look like the Florida trips. We shouldn't do that. And mm-hmm. and I we agreed, you know, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. But at the time, the, the plan was we're going to try to do everything we can to, to make sure we have a spring season. And we think this could be the best thing for it. And there was a, there was a hope of optimism. Uh, our president of the university, President Adam Weinberg, who's uh, you talk about someone who really stepped up in a time of crisis. It was him. Um, but he came down and met with the, the coaches and, and assured us that he was going to do everything he could to, to help uh, us have a season. And by, so that was two o'clock by four o'clock. Um, it just started, if you remember that day, it was just yeah. NBA canceled, uh, NHL, boom, 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 boom. And by four, uh, the NCAA canceled all spring sports, uh, championships and the season was over. So we met with the guys there. Um, I've heard a lot of coaches say it was the toughest conversation they've had. Um, you know, I, I've had tougher, uh, you know, last year we lost the young man, Sean Bonner, mm-hmm. um, uh, to cool. a suicide situation. And, and he's there, there, he and his, uh, his family's doing great work now called a mission 34 to, to bring mental awareness and mental health to, to more of the, the forefront and, and get rid of the stigma, stigma behind that. So, um, I've had those conversations. So this wasn't the toughest I've had. Certainly. Um, it was tough. Um, but you know, we'll play, we'll play again in some capacity. Uh, we'll have another chance. And so it was, uh, I, I don't want to say I, I'm, I don't want to sound callous, but, it, but it was, it was a difficult conversation. Uh, but our young men handled it well. And, and we just talked about how we can kind of move forward with this. And, and that vulnerability was there. I don't, you know, I don't know what's next. You talk about not knowing what's next. I didn't know when they were gonna have to leave campus, all that type of thing. Uh, but, uh, that was our day. It was a, it was a difficult day. It was a strange day. And I think every day since then has been just a little bit off. Yeah. Um, but, um, it's where we are and we're all in this situation and we all have got to figure out a way to, to, to be better because of it. Yeah. I think the word fast perfectly describes the way it's been ever since it started for everyone. That's, it, it just was extremely fast and it continues mm-hmm. to be really, I mean, I think things have slowed down a little bit, but that whole unknown piece just every day, it's almost going to be like when we do get back to what, whatever normal is our new normal everyone's going to be starting over. I mean, it's, you know, Ohio high school athletic association sent out a message yesterday about high schools possibly having a season if they go back to school at the beginning of May, but you're going to have kids coming back. There's, they had, they had like a couple days of acclimation and say, you can start playing games. Some of these kids haven't thrown at all. That concerns me a little bit, you know, and it's at this point, it's almost like, you know, we're sorry, you know, seniors, we know it sucks, man. But you know, your health is important more than just with this virus. Your health is important than your, the way your body is going to react too when you just jump back out there i know everyone is hungry and really wants to get on the field but yeah there are just a lot of variables that are in place that yeah makes it tough yeah i think thinking of you know about the situation or about any 
situation that we go through in life. I mean, it, it's similar. I mean, we, I, I like your response to that coach that, you know, you, there's other, you've had tougher conversations and, and the mm-hmm. fact is we're going to, this is a tough challenge, but in, in our, in our, you know, our high school seniors lives our our, our college seniors lives are, our athletes' lives, they are going to come across tougher challenges in their lives than this challenge. It may not seem like that right now, but they are definitely going to come across tougher challenges. And that's the beauty. I would like to say it's the beauty of baseball because I I can relate it so well with life, but most, most of us can, but that's the beauty of sports is that we learn how to deal with these challenges. You know, we, we know there's going to be, uh, low spots. We know there's going to be high spots, but we, we learn how to get through these challenges. And that's the, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. There's a, there's a great, I just finished a book called shoe dog. I don't know if you guys read that yeah. or not by, by Phil, Phil Knight, Knight. His, his memoir. And, and, uh, in there, he talks about his, his college coach and was a partner of his at the beginning of this, when they were kind of building Nike, I think his name was coach Bowerman was a track and field coach, but Bowerman, uh, referred to himself as a, a coach, a, a coach of, of competitive responses. That's what he was trying to, mm-hmm. it was, it, it was how to be a, um, and, and, and in some ways, like that's what we do as coaches, right? It's, it's how do you, how do you respond to adversity? And, uh, I think what you're seeing now is that you, you learn a lot about people in these situations for the good and the bad. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I have a lot of business friends and they've talked about there, are, there have been employees who they, they, they've shown things that they didn't know they had, like, yeah. like you want them in the, in, in the bunker with you, you know? And so there's been positive stories like that too. And there's people also right now that are, that aren't, aren't showing their best colors. So, um, yeah, as coaches, like you, like you mentioned, Pat, it was just, you know, how these, this is what we do. We, you know, we respond to challenges and baseball gives you a lot of those challenges. Uh, but we get lost in that sometimes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully athletes, student athletes are, are in a little better position, because I've been through some adversity in whatever shape or form. Absolutely. A few years ago, I read a book by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. You read that? Yes. yes. Very popular book. I think it's so timely today because I do think there's going to be ob- there's going to be there're going to be opportunities that come out of this mm-hmm. obstacle. And coach, you seem like the kind of person who does who looks for that kind of thing whenever whenever life places an obstacle in the way you find an opportunity. I can see that in your writing. I can mm-hmm. see it in your emails and your book, of course. What opportunities do you see perhaps coming out of this COVID? And I know you, I know we said earlier that we just have no way of knowing, sure, you know, no. but, but, but uh, you know, if, if you could project here, you know, a year from now and, and we are back to somewhat normal life, what's it going to be like for, what, what we, will we have learned? You know, for, first, uh, you know, I appreciate the question, Coach. But I, I we we talk about that as a staff or our coach staff. We kept, we we've been saying, okay, this is the obstacle. You know, going off of holidays, work a little bit was, mm-hmm. you know, like what what will be the advantages? Um, and from a baseball standpoint, I, I'll be transparent. I don't know if we have the answer to that yet. Um, but I, I think what we're going to see is, I think this is teaching us how to how, first of all how important connection is just in general, yeah. just I, like humans crave connection. Like we crave it. And sometimes mm-hmm. we get away from that. And I think we, now we've, we've come up with some creative ways, even, you know, zoom and Google me and all the other avenues that people are using that we can be a little bit better with our connection uh, right now. I, I think there's, there's opportunity for those people who are creative and can ask really good questions. I mean, some of the questions that I kind of, I'm going through my mind are like, you know, how, how can, we be a little more self-sufficient? How can we as a country be a little more self-sufficient? Uh, education, how can we do education better? Like what, mm-hmm. like what are we going to learn from this? I mean, I think we're, we all, we all agree that, uh, you know, a physical classroom is better than uh, you can't quite do, do everything online, but can we be more creative in the way we look at education, how we teach, how we create those spaces? Can we be more creative in how we do, how we look at a classroom? So anyways, I think there's going to be so many things out there for those people who are creative and willing to ask questions and, and carve out the time right now to, to give that curiosity space to, to grow. But, um, you're right. I mean, there are opportunities out there. I, it's just going to be those people that can grab a hold of those things. Yeah. I'm seeing that right now. I have another little project that I started. One of my roles is uh, I oversee our student employees at uh, the College of Communication at Ohio University. And we've been tasked by the university, all em- all employees who oversee student employees mm-hmm. have been tasked with the um, 
with the uh, duty of trying to find them hours, work hours yes. that they can do remotely, you know, because those kids need money as well. And, and while everyone in the dean's office, all the staff members, administrators, faculty, everyone's trying to figure out how to work remotely as on, on their mm-hmm. own. One of the things I'm trying to do as well is help students get uh, remote work. So we created a podcast. I said, here's something I can do. We'll, we'll create a podcast. And I tell you what, I've talked, I've, we've recorded um, five episodes. I've got a six that I'm doing this afternoon. And I knew these kids were great kids. I tell you right. what, I am shocked at how, one, how well they're handling this, how, right. how they have the ability to pivot and just find new ways to make things happen. Yeah. And the things that they're doing, I'm hearing 19, 20, 21-year-olds tell me about their routines when they wake up in the morning, the importance of self-discipline, the importance of routines. And I tell you, Ohio University gets a lot of uh, press that's negative because of the fests and the parties and all sure. that. But I tell you what, the, there are some outstanding college students out there that are that are really going to, I think, benefit this entire world when this thing's all over. Yeah, um, and, and, and and maybe the way um, another side uh, benefit of that is, like you know, we, you get to see your students in a different light, mm-hmm. or those are or, or those people, you know, instead of uh, just people that are that, that are working there, like they you've you've opened this space up where you've seen their creativity, and you go, my goodness, like these kids are really, really impressive. And they probably yeah. always, always right. were impressive, right? Like it's, but this just gave the, the, the opportunity to see that a little bit more. So yeah. I really appreciate it. You sharing that story. That's really cool. Yeah. They're, they're definitely impressive. I'm starting to thank coaches holding interviews for my replacement. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've been able to sense a little bit of uh, <laughs> he's been a little distant these last few days since we started this podcast, that, that new podcast. Uh, Pat's been a little distant. I, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. I got to build you up a little bit more. So. <laughs> they do sound great. Though. They do. Sound they do. Hey, let's, let's talk about your book. I, I, um, I mentioned earlier in the introduction that this book could be a companion to, to our Coaching Life podcast, and that's not hyperbole at all. I mean, that is the absolute truth. As I read this, uh, I spend my mornings, part of my routine is just is just reading in the mornings and journaling, and I, I've got almost an entire little moleskin journal book full of notes from, from reading your book, and uh, I told Pat when I, I texted him one morning and said, man, this, this book is episode after episode our podcast. In fact, we recently recorded an episode in which we we just stole one of your chapters. Basically, parents are crazy. Parents right? are crazy. Yeah, yes, yeah. We actually turned that into a two parter because it was so <laughs> popular. We got we got so much response from people saying, "Oh, there's so much more you could talk about there." And and uh, so uh, yeah, we'd love to hear how your book came to life for you. And how in the world did you ever have time to write a book? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, for, first of all, th- thank you. I mean, I, I'm, uh, that that means so much to me. N- number one, I, um, so you know, I'm not a natural writer. I I, um, I I have a lot of thoughts. I think I'm an introvert by nature. I, I never knew what that meant, but I think mm-hmm. I, I recharge in, in silence. Like I, I, I'm always out, I'm out in front of people as a coach. I speak, but at the end of the day, I like I, I like that quiet time. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of thoughts, and and I would I would tell my wife things, and she said, you know, you need to start writing. Like I I think she did it thinking for my mental health too, like so, like an outlet for me. But I started to write just kind of as a as a hobby, just putting some thoughts down. And then at some point I had the courage to hit send on a, on a newsletter. And, um, that really changed a lot of things for me. I, I, it was, it was hard because coaches aren't supposed to write. You kind of break the mold of what Mm. the traditional baseball coach looks like. Um, and you know what, it brought some critics into my, into my life too. You know, it brought some people, Mm -hmm. Oh, he's, you know, whatever, what's he trying to do? Or, um, those kind of things came up, but I, I, I'll tell you, like, it it was probably the best thing I've ever done. Uh, because not because of what I share, not what people learn from me. It's that it has opened up all these great relationships, including this, like where you're able to exchange information Mm -hmm. and connect with people. So that's where the writing started. And then the natural thing. So I had, I don't know, five or six years plus of, of content. Uh, and then someone came to me, one of my readers actually made a suggestion and said, Hey, you ought to uh, look at turning this into a book. And, and that's where all this came from. So for me, time, when you mentioned the time question, I don't have a ton of hobbies. I, I don't, I, I, 
I coach, uh, I'm with my family and I'd like to read and do those things. I'm, I'm terrible at golf. I'll play maybe once or twice, maybe a summer. I wish I was better. I just haven't quite got that. And I, I just, I, that's how that's fun for me. People think like I'm working all the time. It's, it's, it is, but I, it's, it's enjoyable when I can, when I don't have time to read and write, I, I'm not, I'm not myself. So, um, but that's where it came from. It's just, my life has revolved around sports. Um, and, and I've learned so much because of that in the book that in my family, it was, it was uh, sports one school second. And I don't mean that to, to, to minimize education. I'm not saying that, but I, I right. mean, it by all my lessons came from sports, yep. including how to do math by calculating how many points Michael Jordan had in each <laughs> quarter. Right. You know, so yeah, that, that's just, it's just been such a big part of my life and it's been fun to share and it's been fun to hear um, other people's response to it and, and the people that I've attracted into my life because of it. Awesome. That's awesome. It was that episode was from a comment perspective, people reaching out to me personally. And I know I feel like coaches the same way. More people reached out to me after we did the parents are crazy episode <laughs> and, and, and mentioned it. it. Was good. Oh, I loved it. You know, it was, it was a great episode. Uh, then, than any other episode we've done. It's so provoking. It, it was definitely, yeah, it's provoking, you know, when you yeah, do an well, episode I, like that. I, so. I think, I think it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of humor in it, but at the same yeah. time, it's, it's convicting. Yes. Yeah. We, 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 we see ourselves in, in multiple <sighs> of those descriptions that right. you make. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, I'm not immune to it. You know, I, I'm, I'm cool. Like I, I battle with it. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's not me pointing the finger. It's, I, mm-hmm. it actually has put me in a, in a different space sometimes coaching wise where I'm like, uh, it's almost the parent's job to be crazy, but I can't let a, let that affect my decision-making when it comes to our yeah. team, you know? And, yeah. and, and I think I just try to, I, I you know, I'm, for me, it's all self-awareness. Like, like once I could realize and say, Hey, I am the crazy parent. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm in the club. Then I can, then I can at least monitor my behavior a little yeah. bit more. And, and, uh, so that's, that's what it is. I, it really wasn't like a dig. Like I think all parents are nuts. Cause I'm a coach. It's no, I'm nuts. And so I know what you all are talking yeah. about empathy, right? Like I know what you're going through when you're watching your son or, or son or daughter, or when they're not playing, like I get how hard that could be. I, I do. Mm-hmm. But as a coach, I can't, in my job, I can't allow that to affect my decision-making and our decision-making for our team. I empathize with that sentiment so much because I essentially did the same thing. Actually, I, a couple of things. I found, I found someone I want to play golf with, Pat. I'm the same way, coach. I play once or twice a year. I really enjoy it when I'm out there, but I, have, it's, I don't have really... I don't have the desire to spend all the money on golf. I I, I always (laughs) say I'm the most popular. uh, People want to play with me. I'm I'm a great 36 handicapper. I have a couple of good holes so I can, (laughs) I can win you some money every now and then. And I play fast and I don't throw clubs. I just play fast and try to keep up. Yeah. I pick up the clubs that people throw. I've never bought a set of clubs. (laughs) Seriously. I've never bought anything from golf except balls and tees. That's it. I I refuse to take it serious because I know the moment I take it serious, I'm going to, I'm going to go in debt, but but no, Maybe yeah, or we, you're going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you another reason I can empathize with that. Cause I, we're, we're alike in a lot of ways. It's actually kind of funny. I did the same kind of thing. I, I wrote a lot of blog posts and had, and then my brother is the one that told me, Hey, you should, you should put this into a book. And so I did the same thing and wrote a book called the coaching life. And we kind of spawned this podcast off of it. But one of the things I told everyone was the only reason I did that was because one, I, I had stepped away from coaching so I could watch my kids play in college for a time. I, and mm-hmm. it was just a personal priority. It was a difficult thing to do because it came off of two of the um, best seasons that Athens High School ever had. But I had to get this coaching stuff out of me, you know? And yeah. so and so the best way I could do that was to write. And when people read some of the chapters, I had to keep saying over and over again, look, I'm preaching to myself. This is yes. this is this is not me saying, "Hey, you need to do this." This is basically me writing a memoir of all of my failures. You know, yeah. uh, you know, growing up being a youth dad coach and yeah. uh, and and being you know and going through all of the uh, experiences there as well. Exactly. One of the tough. One of the tough. It didn't come to me, but it came to someone I was close with. They said something like, "I've tried. I try to tell people how to live and." If, if, if you really read what I write, like mm-hmm. it's almost the opposite of that. Like uh-huh. I, I, I really pride myself on not, that's not, I, I, I'm not, I don't like to live in that judgmental state. It's more right. like, these are things that I'm wrestling with. And it's usually like a wrestling match. It really is. Like it, they're just things that I'm, you know, you know I could go on and on about that, but it's just, it's just how I try to, it's how I try to get clarity in, in my life. And, and then sometimes it, it, it sparks something in other people, but yeah, yeah it's really not, 
to preach or to, to try to be holier than thou. That's, that's the opposite of what I, mm-hmm. what I try to do. That comment of, you know, well, you're just trying to tell people how to live. That's a, that sounds like, and feels like a very defensive comment. Yeah. I think a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times it's easy to rationalize our behavior you know, yeah. it's to justify it. I, I do. I, I mean, the, uh, over the course of this podcast, I've done it. I've said, well, yeah, I, I uh, got on an official, but man, he really deserved it. I think one of the, <laughs> yeah. the, the things that I've explained, <laughs> right? he was really they bad. Like, he was bad. They he was, always do, right? I mean, he, he, was was de- he was definitely cheating. I don't know I mean, that there's ever been a time they cheating. don't deserve it. Right? Yeah, I was like, listen, coach, no, really, you know, I'd, I'd tell coach a story, give me that, you know, side eye. And I said, no, no, really, this, this yeah. is, he really deserved it. This know? is but, different. This is different than you <laughs> yeah, ever seen. Yeah. I think one of the, the experiences or one of the better experiences I've had over this, the last three, three and a half weeks is, is being in, in my own thoughts and, and thinking back on some of those times that I've, I've felt justified or even, yeah. even now I say, I, I feel justified. I, and, and in that moment, knowing where we are knowing that we're away from sports right now and we're distant and, and those, those situations mean so little right now you know those those things that cause us to be upset or to yell at an official or to be mad at our kids because they they made a mistake or you know whatever it is they mean so little right now Mm -hmm. dead on yeah Coach, do you care if we read a little bit from your book? No, go for it. Yeah, there's one chapter really stood out to me in particular. A lot of them stood out to me, but this one really stood out to me because this is actually something that Pat and I have been talking about ever since we created this podcast. It's something that's mm-hmm. been missing in youth sports, and our one of our desires is to just help change the landscape of youth sports. And we figured we can start in our area where we live, and then we started talking about it. So we decided, well, we may as well record it and see if we can get anybody else to listen to it as well as we talk about some of our plans and some of our ideas. But this is chapter 24, uh, I Got Next. And you say this, if, if you grew up playing basketball in Washington, Pennsylvania in the 90s, which, by the way, Washington, Pennsylvania, my daughter went to Waynesburg, University. Get out. No, I yeah. Visited, I visited Waynesburg. It's the very next exit. Play, yeah. I was going to play baseball and football, uh, baseball and basketball there. I, I was, uh, and, and a guy named Mike Florak, OU grad, um, yes. great baseball player, yeah. and, and ended up being the head coach at Youngstown State. Youngstown. He was a baseball coach in Waynesburg at that time. So, yeah. I'll be darned. Oh, yeah, my okay. daughter plays yeah. softball there. So, yeah. 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 Cool. So, anyway, uh, grew up playing basketball in the 90s. You knew the names Park and Dewey, Eighth yep. Ward. Brownson House, the Y, Stanley's Hall in the center. These were the locations to some of the best runs in the city. And looking back, some of the best lessons you can learn in life. And you write about some of those lessons that you learn when you're playing pickup games. And one of those lessons you talked about was the winner stays all the winner stays. So you mm-hmm. you win, you stay. And winner stays makes you do several things. And back to the book. Choose your teammates wisely. Just because someone was your friend, you may not have them on your team. Being a friend was great but you needed to surround yourself with the best players because if you lost, you sat out. Mm-hmm. Lesson two, it's all about the team. No good pickup player I know counted stats. Excellent point. If you could score, you scored. If you could rebound, you rebounded. If you could defend, you guarded hard. It wasn't about you. It was all about doing whatever you could do to win. Point number three, you get honest feedback. If you played pickup hoops, you know the disappointment of when you don't get picked. Guys wanted to win. If your game wasn't up to speed, they'd say, hey, I don't want that bum on my team. <laughs> Pretty harsh. Well, you learn quickly that either you bring value or you go home. There were no parents there to tell you how good you are or to try to convince the other guys to let you play. Nope. You had to decide what you were going to do to get on the court. And then point number four, learn to hate losing. If you lost, you were done, and it was crushing. It was instant feedback. Other guys, pl- other guys were playing, and you had to sit and watch. And then uh, I'm just going to flip over to the conclusion of this chapter, the last paragraph. You say this. You don't see nearly as much pickup sports anymore. Pickup has been replaced by AAU, travel ball teams, and other organized by adults, in parentheses, programs. It's kind of sad when you think about it. The next time I am in, I'm in Washington, I plan on visiting some of those old playgrounds, and I hope they're not empty. I got to tell you, man, that is the lifeblood of 90% of Pat and I's conversations. <laughs> yeah. Was, you know what? And that's pretty surreal for me. This is a, 
uh, arrogant moment, but to hear someone else read my book, I, I've never heard that. So that was my first time I've, I've encountered that. So thank you for doing that. But yeah, it's pick up basketball. That was, that was, that was it, you know, and, um, it's so many, so many lessons of, of just, of just all those things that we talked about. And I think the other thing, just being around eclectic people, you know, I, yeah. I was, I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a white American and, and you go into the, some of the urban areas and, and, you know, you, you learn what it's like to be a minority, mm-hmm. which is, you talk about, you know, I, I've said the word a few times empathy, but to know what it's like to be the minority is puts you in a whole different place sometimes. And, and you have end up, end up having best friends who are completely different than you, mm-hmm. but, uh, through sports, you learn these great things and, and not having the parents there to intervene on everything is just something that I truly cherish. Yeah. You know, just the whole idea of unstructured free play and mm-hmm. how, you know, the, the literally the game of, of baseball in particular, and really all youth sports, but we're so close to baseball that we just t- we seem to, to talk about it all the time. It's become, Pat and I talk about how it's become professionalized, adult, adultification. I think we, we had an episode called the adultification of youth sports, where mm-hmm. we just, we, we just talk about how, you know, kids are not able to do the kinds of things that actually we're doing right now during this COVID-19, yeah. you know, you know, isolation, you know, where, where people are trying to figure out how to just pl- get out and play. You know, I see more videos of kids playing wiffle ball now than I've, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen, you know, wiffle, wiffle ball, uh, bats and balls are probably going to make a little jump here after this. Yeah. I, I hope yeah. they do, you know, sure. but, but we actually have, have talked about creating an organization, you know, maybe just beginning with a team where we actually plan, I guess you could call it a structure of informality. We we would plan unstructured free play as a major emphasis of and value of Mm -hmm. what that would be because it's just not something they get. And we would just make, we'd make rules. Like if you want to be a coach or a parent, you sit along the sideline and you, you can cheer for the kids, but you're not allowed to say coaching advice. You're not allowed to do any of that stuff and do that kind of, you know, I just, I dream about that kind of thing. Yeah. What a cool experiment Mm -hmm. that would be. It's anytime it's always, it's such, it's such a, it's such a paradox. It's such a, a, a tough thing to, to talk about. Cause I, as parents, we want to do everything we possibly can for our kids. We want to, we, we've, and we're, it, it always, I always say everything comes usually from good intentions. It's not mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, no, not no parent that I know, like says, Hey, I want to be this over the top parent who pushes my kids into everything. But then there, it becomes this peer pressure. Like I need to be doing, doing, doing this. And so I think that's where a lot of this was, was created and, and stems from. Um, but I think, you know, anytime, you have, you have, um, you, you start thinking about the future so much, like where, if I do this, my kid make it a scholarship. If I do this, maybe this will lead to their professional route. Um, then adult priorities start getting in the way then, you know, like yeah. adult, adult dreams, adult aspirations get in, in the way of, 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 of childhood, uh, dreams. And, and those two are completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what you, you know, you, you see a lot of times it's, I asked a question on Twitter recently. I said, are kids having as much fun now in sports as they used to 20 years mm. ago, 30 years ago? And I, and I don't know the answer. Right. Like once again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I know the answer. And some people said, yeah, they think they are. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think so. And, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, I'm guilty of knowing like my son needs to do this, this, and this, and this, and maybe he can be a pretty good player. Cause I know like, right. But yeah. that's not fair. That's not that's not his dream. That's my dream. Right. So I got to get out of that. You know, I, I think one of the big differences that we see today is, for me, baseball was a hobby growing up. Yes. It was a, yes. it was it was a hobby, and I think if you ask kids today what their hobbies are, they wouldn't think about baseball because baseball is almost like a job or a means to another end. I mean, we hear yes. parents saying that kids about their kids who are nine and 10 years old, what they need to do, start preparing for college, you know, and, and how and, can my kid get, get exposure and looks and we're like, Oh no, don't start talking I, about that. I, I, I know, I, you know, we have, so you know, I made a mention, we have four kids and, and, you know, there's, there's obviously opportunities for travel at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like, uh, you know, typically I'm, this is a very busy time of year for me. So like going, we're going to go, we're going to go two minutes down the road. My wife's going to drop our son off. He's going to go play and I'm going to come home away from work. I'm going to pick him up and ask him how it went. And that's, and that's how it's going to go. You know, we're not going to go 30 minutes to practice and you know, it's, it just, it just gets, I think then they become an investment sometimes too. I've heard that phrase. Mm -hmm. 
we have, you know, we have X amount of dollars in lessons and tra- like he, you know, he's definitely going to play in college because we've, we've already invested. We sunk wow. 25 grand in them, you know, or whatever. Like, and, and I think that's where it gets really, really, really dangerous, really dangerous. Mm. I'm kind of lost in the podcast right now. So I feel like a listener. I'm just listening to you guys talk. It's, it's, it's amazing stuff. I'll tell you that I've, I've got tears in my eyes right now. I, this, the conversation pulls up my heartstrings. I, I know that, uh, that, that excerpt from, from coaches Deacon's book there is similar to a chapter of coach Stewart that you wrote in uh, in building champions. And I know that because I remember reading it. And when I read it, I, I had the same feeling. And for me, I, I remember, I have so many great memories from high school baseball and, and, uh, and what I would say, organized baseball, so many great memories, so many great lessons, but you know, I have so many great memories and so many great lessons that I've learned from playing wiffle ball in the yard with the neighborhood kids and, mm-hmm. and playing pickup basketball games at the park in between organized <laughs> right. baseball games. Right. And, uh, you're right. We do want to give our children the best that we can give them, mm-hmm. but to, to do something, to take away that experience is is a very damaging act and and, and uh, i think that's what uh, has hit home with me in the past and continues to hit in with me but if you want to if you want to get more into the logistics the uh some of those lessons that that, that are mentioned there in the in the excerpt that that mm-hmm. uh, the coach read are lessons that coaches uh specifically what i would consider x's and o coaches set mm in meeting rooms and talk to their assistant coaches about why their kids don't understand these types of things. Mm -hmm. Why do our kids, you know, why is the losing not painful to them? You know, Mm -hmm. why do they, why do they not understand that they they have to have a, uh, uh, certain types of intangibles to be successful. It's because we're not training those things into them. And, and, and to clarify that Hmm. we train those things in them, by staying out of it, right? <laughs> right, by, exactly. By allowing them to experience it on their own. You know, you know what's the real? You know, this this is just taking me down memory lane, and I've never I didn't write about this, but I just thought about this. I remember coming home and and like bragging to my dad, like we stayed on, we stayed on six straight games. We said we were on for six straight games. Yeah. You know, and and it it, it really wasn't like well, of those eleven, how many points did you have? You know, it wasn't that. It was just no. We 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 did like we stayed on, and and you're right. And and so in in you know in our fall, and sometimes it's met with a little bit of opposition. Like our players don't love it, but you know we we play a lot in the fall. Like we just scrimmage, we scrimmage, 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 and there's a little bit of like, hey, like what about why aren't we working more on our swing or throwing? And I understand that, but I think the let like the the gap now for us, like I always say kids come in, they have way better knowledge of their swing now. They have way better knowledge of arm care. I can't, I don't even know as much as these guys do. I mean, some of our guys come from some of the best training backgrounds you could possibly imagine. But the gap for us is can we teach them how to compete? Can we teach them how to um yeah, be a good teammate. All those, all those soft skills or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess competing is not. I mean, and teaching that competing is okay. Like it's, it's okay to compete. It's okay to go really hard and lose. One of my, when mm-hmm. I, when I first got at Denison, what people ask me, like, wow, what was the difference? Like, you know, what did you miss? And and we had just come off back to back national championships at Marietta. I said I miss losing, and and people are like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I was like, I miss going through the handshake line after you fought really hard, and there's like this look in people's eyes of like. You, you went hard. We went hard. That, that was awesome. Like, like mm-hmm. that, that there's like, so there's, there's, it doesn't, it's not just about winning. Like it's, it's about having the curves and just put it on the line. And, and it's amazing. I'm getting chills even thinking about it. Like that respect you have um, for those components that'll fight you hard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, th- like there's, there's something about that that's hard to replace. And, and I think you learn that on the playgrounds. I really do. Absolutely. Agree and you, you learn it without, that. you learn it without mom and dad there. You know, you, you said something there a little bit ago when you were talking about your own kids and taking them to the park. You actually said, I took my son and I take him and drop him off this time of the year, come mm-hmm. back to work or come back to your office or home or whatever, and then go back and pick him up. And I, I tell you what, that's an anomaly today. It, it's yeah. amazing the number of lawn chairs that sit around the field 
during practice today. Let them be, yeah. man. Let them be. I love, you actually wrote about that. And I think you, I think it was in your book. It may have been in an in email, but you talked about how you don't feel it, the, the need to actually be at all your kids' games. I, I, I don't. And, and, that, and that's, and I say that because I feel like there's such a pressure now for parents. They think they have to be at every yes. game. Like my, my parents weren't, they worked, both worked and, and they're, and, but there's nobody who was more uh, committed to me than my parents. Like right. they, they love, I, I would come up and I was like being, being able, like when, when I'm there, when I'm at my son's games and my son, by the way, he's a great kid. He's not, this is not, this is not a, I'm not talking about someone who's going to be a, a professional player. He's just a good little, just a good kid more than a good player. But, um, but I love whenever I go, I end up asking him questions through my eyes. I say like, Hey, what were you thinking on this play? But when he comes home and I wasn't there, like, it's funny to hear the short stories he shares. He'll say like, Oh, Ethan made this great play. And like, it's usually about others. Uh-huh. Like, and this is all natural. Like it's not, but my questions when I'm there lead, it end up, they end up leading, even me trying to be aware that I'm a crazy parent <laughs> and knowing what I should say. Like I still ask leading questions to like, basically, how did you do? Right. Like, yeah. and, but when I'm not there, he, I get to hear the game through his eyes. From my do- and, and to me, there's something that's really, really special about that that yeah um that i that I, I cherish so if you're a parent listening and you miss some games like your kids are fine they really are yeah and in many in many ways yeah. they're better off they're thriving actually probably yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great stuff that hits home with me too so i'll uh i'll put that in the in the vault and refer to that taking notes uh, over there as we, yeah. yeah as we go yeah. forward but yeah those are good stuff coach we have a lot of uh, parents of, of high schoolers and also a lot of high schoolers who have tuned into our podcast because we spent some time early on talking about recruiting and we had, yeah. we had kids that we, we just kind of pulled people at least in our re- geographical area and said, Hey, what do you want to hear us talk about? And one of the big things was, was, well, what, you know, what can we do here in Southeast Ohio where there just doesn't seem to be a lot of people come out and play college ball from this area? What can we do to get more, you know, get our kids more exposure at a, lower cost than what they're able to pay here in this, in this region. But, uh, how can we, you know, if we do, if we have kids who have the ability to play in college, but also, uh, want to play in college, you know, mm-hmm. how can they get recruited? So one of the things we always like to have to ask people who, who are in the college world is what are you looking for when you are recruiting high school players to come to Denison university? Well, I, I want to say one thing, but before I get, I think, I think, um, you know, as far as exposure wise too, I think this is, this is another opportunity right now. I think the ability to put things on tape, um, mm-hmm. even like iPhone videos and send out to coaches like that's, that, that, that doesn't cost anything. And you're not always going to get a response, but if you have a list of schools, you know, a stretch school like that, that's going to be really tough or, you know, maybe a safety school, send out videos. Um, that's a great way to get conversations started. Um, like when coaches can't always travel and see a place. So that's, that's the first start. I would say for us at Denison, I think it, it, it it's going to come down to two things that, that they baseline, they have to have one, they have to fit our academic profile. I mean, we're a, a really strong academic school. I think our average ACT is now close to 29 um, and our average GPA is around a three, six. Now there is some, there is some wiggle there. Like there is test optional. There's some ways to go, but just to give an idea that the academics have to be really, really important to that mm-hmm. student and their family. Then the second piece is they have to ha- have a skill set that kind of matches what, um, a level of baseball we aspire to play at. So we, you know, our, our shared vision, the shared mission of our program is to try to compete on a national level. So we have to have really good players. So, but that's just baseline stuff. Like that's the baseline. Um, you can almost keep kind of growing up that ladder. And I would say at the top of that pyramid, the top of that hierarchy of needs um, would be being a, a really good teammate. And, and this isn't just coach speak. Um, and then that, that fire to win, like someone who were winning really matters to them. I think those are, those are things that, uh, that we really value. And how do you, how do you know that? I think questioning, I think when we have kids on campus, I think analyzing the parents is really, really important to us. Um, I, I like to, we like to hear a kid that has some work ethic and some, and a background of work ethic. And, and you can get yeah. a sense of that in your conversations with people. But um, I think, it, like I said, it has to start with some basic things because those are barrier to entries. Like if, if, if the grades aren't there, it's just not going to work. If, if the skills that's not at a certain level, it's going to be tough. But then from there, there's always intangibles that really, make what we would consider a, a high level player in our program. Yeah. Coach, where does, where does your program find 
or at least spend your time looking for um, recruits or candidates to play in your program. So we're, we're national. I mean, if you look at our roster, I don't know what the breakdown is, but I would say probably 80% are out of state. Um, so we, we do, it's almost like target marketing. We have to go where, um, where the, there's academic minded players are. Um, so we'll go, you know, we go to some events all, all throughout the country, but I think one thing that we've kind of switched in the last probably three, four years is we, we say we want to be in the conversation with every, every person who may fit our, our, our target, you know, with the academics and play in the state of Ohio. So even though we know like Ohio is really, really competitive, there's just so many from the mid-major division ones to, you know, some great division threes, it's, it's in great division twos as well. Um, it's, it's a highly populated area, but anyone who has great grades in, in the state of Ohio, we want to be on, like we want, we want to be having a conversation that whether or not we get them or not, that's a whole different story, but we want to try to win some battles in the state. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't make, when I was at Marietta, we could just go down the road and watch a game and there would be potential candidates to fit the school. That's, that's probably not in the best interest of our time here because we may go to a, just a random game and only maybe one or two kids on, on the field even could fit the academic profile. And I don't mean that from an arrogant standpoint, it's just kind of reality. So sure. we've got to try mm-hmm. to figure out the best way to use our time. So it's, uh, it's more of a national scope for us. Yeah. I think it goes back to if you, if you're, regardless of what area you live in, if you want to play in college, take the time and make a skills video, you know, make a video, get sign up for a YouTube channel, get it up there. And, yep. and it's, you know, I've helped both of my kids in that way and, and many kids in, in our programs at Athens and, and uh, it's amazing the responses that do come out of that. Uh, and you can do you know, it for pretty low frills. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, a paid $2,000 or somebody to do oh, it. I gosh, mean, no. yeah. you know, yeah. like, and, and, and I say that because I think people, there, there is some concern of that. Like, oh, we know we saw this one's professionally made. It has mm-hmm. music. It has, <laughs> no. and those are fine. Yeah. I, but really, you know, you do enough of this, like, um, and this is what we do for living. <laughs> so I, I can, uh, yeah, I don't like I'm sounding arrogant. I don't mean that you can watch pretty quickly yep. within like 15, 30 seconds and, and get a sense as to, and a video is not going to tell the whole story. We all know that. And, and like, that won't be the, what, what gets you a scholarship. We don't have, we don't have mm-hmm. athletic scholarships, but it won't be that, but it can at least get you interested. And I, I always say it's, it, it saves time. Like you're not wasting your time then trying to go to play at Vanderbilt yeah. when it's just not a fit. Right. So I, I encourage just, Hey, get, I always, when we, when we get an email from someone, I say, Hey, just take some video, have your buddy, take a, take some video of you swinging today, taking a few ground balls, throwing a little bit, and then we can have a better, we can have a more mm-hmm. accurate conversation about whether this is a realistic possibility. Yeah. What and, I tell kids around here is a video is able to intrigue someone. Yes. It, it's not going to get you anything, but it may get, it may cause a coach to say, okay, I, I'd like to see this kid more. I'd, I'd like to see more about what you, what you can do. That, yeah, that's it. And you know, our, our whole recruiting approach has kind of been, there is no sell. Like, so for us, like we, yeah. we, we try to talk people out of coming a lot of times. We just, we just say like what we're all about. Yes. There's going to be incredible internal competition. I can't guarantee you're ever going to play. I don't even know if you'll make your, be on the team your junior year. I, I don't know. And those aren't really great conversations, but I say that mm. going back, I say that going back to the video, like, I don't think you're like the more I do this, like, the last thing I want to do is mislead. And so even mm-hmm. if I'm a player, I don't want to mislead either. I mean, just put, just do what you do on there. Like mm-hmm. everyone's going to send you their home runs and that's great. But we also know that too. Like if, if you got a couple of home runs on there, you probably got a handful of strikeouts during the year as well. <laughs> so just, yeah, just try to get them, just give people an idea of what you do and yeah. all you're looking for is a really good fit anyways. Like that's, so the misleading doesn't really get you very far. It, it's good in the short run. Sometimes maybe you can, maybe you can fool somebody, but in the long run, it's not going to work out. So yeah. just get it out. Oh, that's there. a good word. Yeah. Coach, this is a this is a question that we, we like to ask all of our guests, and I, it, it's a fun question. Um, but it kind of just it captures the essence of 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 who we are. And me and Coach Stewart here on the the Coaching Life podcast, and and what we want to make this all about. And the question is, can you give us one, or or you know, if if there's if you can't narrow it to one, if you have two or three of your fondest memories from your days growing up and playing youth sports? That's great. <laughs> I make you pause. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I will now go to organize. So I, we, we played, um, I played for what in Washington youth baseball. So the city of Washington is Washington youth baseball. And we had, we played for po- was pony baseball mm-hmm. and, um, and we ever, you know, yes, yeah, so you had Mustang Bronco. And, and so you had, you had the ability to advance in those tournaments. And so, you know, my, both when I was 11 and 12, uh, we, we were able to advance. We went to the, to the world series and in California and a bunch of kids from Washington PA got to go fly out to California on pony baseball's dime. But I say that not because I, I say that because I, I, as much as I believe like in, in, in youth sports should be enjoyable and fun for kids. I also I also think that that uh, competition and winning is kind of is kind of in the nature of kids. And I think sometimes we try to pull that away from them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, yeah, it was. I, I hate to like say, hey, like this was cool because we won, but it was cool because we won, right. you know, Absolutely. we earned something. And and um, and boy, there was a lot of pride in, in a in a mill town of, of Washington that that you know what we we play we could play baseball or, or basketball or football with anybody. So I think those like those use like I think winning I think that was a a big part of it and 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 you know putting on the line with your with your friends and that was like I said I was eleven or twelve and maybe that sounds a little uh, shallow but uh, I would say that was it. I mean you know celebrating and and kind of figuring out that how are we going to get to California like how are we going to uh, fundraise and make that happen. So uh, that would be my moment. Yeah. Whenever anybody ever says, whenever I hear, would hear a parent or somebody saying, oh, it's just about having fun. I would always remind them, yeah, kids, but it's a lot more fun to win than lose. It is. <laughs> it, 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 it's in our nature, you know, like it's, it's, I, I, I think we, we just like sit back and watch kids. They, they know who wins and loses. If we, if we as parents should I take that away, like take the scoreboard away. I'm not saying when they're like four, by the way, I'm saying like at a certain <laughs> age, um, they know, they know what's going on. They want to compete. And like I said, there's no shame in losing. Like there's no, there's no shame. It's just, it's just a, it's just a learning opportunity. And if we take that learning opportunity away, cause we're trying to protect them eventually, like you lose, like you lose in life, yes. right? Like you lose at some point. And I'd rather have those, get those skills equipped. And, and look, I've, I remember balling my eyes out when I was 10, 11, 12, um, from losing and it's okay. I, I, I was able to, I survived, you know, right. so right. It's, it's all good. I remember doing our in one of the earlier podcasts when or the episode we just started. We took we went out and we asked some kids some questions. You remember that coach? And oh yeah, you know what, what was your favorite memory from last year? You know, from playing baseball or whatnot. And one of the kids that I asked said, he said, "I really liked when we mercyed teams, <laughs> and everyone was just having a good time." You know, right. and I think a lot of people's first response that's all, oh, you know, winning, you know, beating teams real bad, but. uh, there's a, uh, there's an innocence to that too. And, oh, and yeah. you know, and it, you're right, coach. It, it's, it's fun. And, and what the kid is saying there, you know, when to your point, coach, winning is fun. It's a, it's more fun to win what the kid is saying there. Their favorite, their favorite part about the game is having fun. Yeah. 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 It's, it's combined, right? It's yeah. a combined, yeah. it's a combined thing. And then as you, as you evolve in advance, I always say like, you know, for me, it started off playing like, uh, you play like in your neighborhood basketball and then, then going, then, so you're winning there because you get better. You're winning. Then you go to the next neighborhood and you're not always winning, but then you start winning. Then you keep moving up. Like mm-hmm. you learn how to lose, yep. you learn how to, but it's, it's not just mercying. It's not, it's just that evolution, that growth. And then at some point you start meeting these, these other competitors that are similar to you. And you, you do that knuckle pound of like, man, like we both get it. Like we both yep. get it that we're, you, 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 my mom used to get so mad watching boxers a hug after a fight. And she's like, how can they beat each other up all, all fight? But what they're doing is there's, I always say like, there's two people in the world who know what went into that fight tonight. Mm-hmm. Like there's two uh. people that knew what it's like to walk out of, of their dressing room and go in there and fight. And, and so, yeah, they fight, but afterwards nine times out of 10, they're hugging like, cause they're going, Nobody else yeah. even has an, a bit of an understanding what went into this moment right now. And so the same thing holds true in any kind of sport. It's just that beautiful bit of competition. And, and the more you put it on the line, the more, the more respect you get. And that to me is what it's all about. Absolutely. And you use the word a couple of times there evolve. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we go, you know, as kids, we we're playing the game and we're winning and we recognize winning is fun. Playing and winning is fun. And then as we get older, you, you know, as you say, we, we've experienced that tougher competition. All of a sudden we realize, Hey, I'm going to have to do some more additional work here to be able to have that fun, to be able to have that win. And there's a transition between 
playing the game and preparing to play the game and, yeah. and, 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 and putting that off off season work or, you know, the extra work in after practice. And, and th- that's, that's when that stuff starts to become fun because you know, that you're, you know, you're building up to that, that feeling of, of victory. So sure. I, I, that's passion. Passion is important for, um, for an athlete that wants to yeah. keep, keep competing at, at the next level. Absolutely. No Coach, it's been a heck of a lot of fun. We got to do, we got to do this again yeah, sometime when we're actually playing it, some ball. I, I, yeah. I, I, I talked a lot. I should have, I should have, yeah, but I appreciate it guys. You guys are in my wheelhouse today. So thank you. Right on. Coach, you really, yeah. you should really start your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, really that, that's your well, space. There you go. I got the book. I know I got the book. You, <laughs> you got, you got there you that. Go. So. Yeah. Well, great. I tell you, uh, we'll make sure we put the information about the book and your website in our show notes so that everyone can, can uh, reach out to you as well. And um, man, whatever uh, you get a chance to, to be back with those student athletes again and get on the field, we wish, we wish you the best. Um, yeah, thanks. A lot. You guys were great. That was, I mean that. I guess I was, I was saying it earlier before you got on, Coach. I, I, you know, you do, you do enough of these, you get you get various things. But you guys, your preparation, your your camaraderie, like it was it was noticeable, and I really appreciate it. it makes for makes for a really good show. So I, I hope it I hope it went well on my end. But but I, I appreciate you guys putting the time into that. So it means a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.